Welcome to Invest Stories, a podcast about real stories, real estate, and taking real action. Join hosts John Cooper and Kyle Robertson as they talk investing, mindset, and taking that first step. We all have a story. What's yours? The Invest Stories Podcast. And, you, and, then, and then once they foreclose on you, they will never, ever lend you money ever again. 100%. I, that was a really good segue, I guess, a couple minutes ago anyways, when you started talking about the storage stuff. and Because uh, that's, that's what I know you as. Because when we met, you were super deep into the storage game and had been for a few years by that point. Why did you switch over to storage? Was it just because you didn't want to deal with tenants and, and all the things that come along with a single family house like we just talked about? Is this an easier asset? I, I hesitate I, to use I, that word, but. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is totally easier. Absolutely the easiest asset ever. It is also the most boring asset. And, you, and when you post it on Facebook, only like seven people like it. Whereas when you post a new house or a flipped house, you get like 200 people to like it. Um, why do you think? Why do you think that is? It, there's zero because there people don't understand, or what? what I mean, yeah, it's I, the, I, I agree. It, it's it's the it's the whole quantum physics. It's the ego. It's the ego. It's the it's the yeah. oh, we could do this to our house. Oh, that's so beautiful. I wish I could. I wish he could do that to my house. You know, storage. Like, how many HGTV shows are about storage? Zero. Like, I was gonna say they didn't do storage on cribs. Storage is all freaking made up. There's no way in hell <laughs> that stuff actually happens anywhere in America. That's all like fabricated. Yeah. But like HGTV, selling empty like, space. Yeah, there's, there's, like, dude, I love watching HGTV shows because you take a really ugly house and you make it really pretty. What Joanna Gaines does at houses, which I know she's not on HGTV anymore, but like that, that's incredible. What, you know, what these other, I don't watch much of them, so I don't know all the names, but like, you know, what they do to houses, I'm like, man, that's legit. Like, I, I you know, and so there's like this emotional like response, and there's like this dreaming that goes on. Whereas a story is like, oh, cool, they painted the green. They, they, they painted the uh, overhead doors green. Did you see that one? Did you see that episode? It's a great episode. You know, like it's just boring. <laughs> and, so, and, uh, and so, so you know, it's like. Oh, no, it sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I, I would say the thing that I like about stories is it's boring. And my buddy, one of my buddies uh, who is very, very wealthy, owns Jet, owns his own Jet, has taken three or four brands public, um, Boring makes money is what he says. And so we, we, um, so it's very consistent. You have 200, 300 tenants per facility. They pay, uh, most of the time, like when we take over a facility, we make them pay ACH or pay through automatic uh, payments, whether that's ACH or through debit cards or credit cards, but they have to pay through automatic debit or automatic payments. Um, unless it's like a rural town and they're like, those, these people don't have a bank to even get a, bank account, you know, we will make them do that. And so by the fifth of every month, you have 98% of your rents and you do, and you realize that utility bill is going to be the same because there's not, um, there's not more usage coming out because no one is ever at the site. The gate gets used four times a year or four times a month. 
maybe six times a month. Um, it's just there's not a lot of expenses. There's no plumbing, so you have no water bill most of the time. Like if we have grass, if we take over a facility and it has grass, it, we're roundupping that crap once a month. That's our new that's our new line item. You know, there's not going to be a water bill. There's a roundup bill. You know, so and roundup's a lot cheaper than water, and um, and then you only have to do it if, if you have. Thankfully, last year Texas was in a drought. That Texas is where most of our facilities are. And we were able. I think you're the only person in the world that would say that you're thankful for a drought. I mean, that's... well, I'm not thankful for a drought. I'm just saying, oh, okay. thankfully, gotcha. there was a drought last year that we didn't even have to use the roundup bill. So, like, our net margins are higher. That's all I'm saying. It actually sucked for our, we own cow. We own some some cows, and we almost had to sell all of them. And so, um, you know, there's various reasons. There's positives and negatives of a drought, I guess, especially if you're a storage owner. But yeah, you know, and then. Very little. You have very little maintenance. You might have an overhead door uh, break, and that's two hundred ninety-seven dollars a fix. And you might have that happen once a year. Like there's like literally, I was looking at it, one of our performers of or not a, one of our property and loss in a facility we were trying to sell, and it's like two hundred eighty-seven bucks. I'm like, oh, that was a door in March of twenty-two, and that's I know exactly what it is, and there's no other repairs, and so it's just a really streamlined, simple business. Whereas like a multifamily, you might have 100 units. That's a big multifamily project. But 100 unit storage facility is easy. But also, like a difference between the operating cost of a 60 unit storage facility and a 300 unit storage facility is nothing. It's about the same. Like you need one person to run it. Um, you need, uh, you're going to have one utility bill. Gonna, and the utility bill is going to cost the same much. Like the light bill for a 60 unit and a 300 unit is going to be a difference of about 18 bucks. Like it's not much. So, but you have 300 units and you can lose 30 tenants as opposed to if you lost 30 tenants on a 67 unit facility, you lose half of it. But on the bigger unit, you just use 10%. And all of that is really important because when you're talking about economies of scale and also like really eliminating your downside and, and making sure you project your yield correctly to investors, like you want all of those things. And, on the multifamily side or the single family home side, like you always have to factor out a big ass maintenance reserve because maintenance is what kills you on those two businesses. Whereas with storage, it's all about receivables. As long as you receive your money uh, in storage, you're going to be fine the rest for the rest of the month. And so you might have some issues with staffing, that sort of thing. But generally speaking, as long as you don't get super aggressive on rent increases, you're not going to lose that many tenants on a monthly month basis. So while I've got you both on here, Kyle's done storage, Travis has done storage, what makes a really good storage uh, investment? Go ahead, Tom. We're staring at each other like, who's going to answer first? <laughs> <laughs> Travis is going to be the better person. I, I mean, my storage journey is nothing. It's not even a journey. It was a, it was a storage journey roadside stop Stor is what mine was storage yeah, yeah I, I owned one small facility for about three years and that was about it and i this was before bigger pockets and before i, I oh, didn't wow. even know what the hell i was oh. doing yeah this was this was a, my first owner financing deal this was my my first commercial deal my first everything uh, and and actually i was going to ask you travis i was going to put you on the clock and ask you if because you know we've, we've been talking to you for almost an hour now we want to be mindful of your time but I would like to know from somebody like yourself, who's a lot more big time into the storage space, 
If you could do a one-minute class, one minute on what you look for in purchasing something like a storage facility, because I don't think I think most of our listeners are probably residential investors or aspiring residential investors. Some of them are, um, you know, commercial people, but um, storage is pretty specialized, and I don't think a lot of people know. You know, they don't they don't think about oh well, you know, price per square footage is a big one. You know, or how many square feet is a, is a facility is a big one on the. Uh, the storage side. So what do you look for? If you're looking for at looking at a brand new facility, or not even a brand new, just a new one to you, what's a good deal? Yeah, I, w- I would say before I get into that, the aspiring from residential to commercial should be what everyone wants to do. The reason why is you go from a, a comparable market approach value to a, a, a income approach value. And so you can make millions and millions and millions of dollars in commercial as opposed to like just accumulating a bunch of houses over and over that'll eventually make you a millionaire. But you can force to, you can force appreciate a commercial, which means you can take a property that's worth 2 million in 10 months, make it worth 4 million as we have in the past. And those are rare, but that is totally fine, totally doable. Uh, if I can go back to my residential side, my highest net worth ever on paper was 1.4 on the, after buying 400 houses, like we were just leveraging the crap out of them to get to where we were. But, um, you know, my net worth is like six times that now, and I've been doing it for less than a half a time. And the reason why is just because we went and we had a good strategy and we're like, we're going to raise rents, we're going to cut costs, and that's going to add a lot of value. We're in a really weird volatile time as far as rates go, and so who knows what my facilities actually are worth. But at one point when rates were consistent, uh, that's what it that's what the value would be. So, but what makes a really good storage facility is uh, that and another reason why storage is such a specialized and hard to, you don't, you don't find a lot of storage investors is because it's hard to underwrite. Um, Cause you can't go like, man, if I put countertops in that storage unit, I'm going to get another $200 a, m- a month or rent, like or, or granite countertops, you know, if you put nicer countertops, that, that doesn't work in storage. So what you really, what we like to look for in, Everyone else has a different uh, version of what they choose to focus on, but we like to have under market rents, at least 20%, but that's uh, that's not enough most of the time. Then we want at least 100 doors. We want at least uh, some expansion space to double the this facility size. So if it's a 400 unit facility already, we're not gonna make it 800, that's silly. But if it's 100, we're gonna want to make it at least a 200. In my opinion, 200 unit facility is still too small. Um, going back to my comment about a 100-unit facility costs the same amount of money as a 500-unit facility, or I think a 300-unit facility to uh, run and manage. Um, same thing. So we want to make we want to try to get that 350-unit space if it's not there. Uh, additional things that you want to look for is other competition. You want to make sure the competition is full. So if your facility is full and everyone else's facility is full, then there's a good chance you can raise rates, a good amount, because they can't go anywhere. If you call, uh, if you're at 60% economic occupancy and everyone else is at 90% economic occupancy, there's a good chance that your facility is just mismanaged. And so you can probably get that thing up to 80 to 85%. Um, but you want to make sure that whatever you're buying, the juice is worth a squeeze. And the way I I think the best structure on that is find a, a property that is under market rents and also, and additionally has expansion room. With that, you can make yourself a lot of money. And it, those right. are getting far and too, few and far between, but they're still out there and um, and they're 
that's totally worth your time. I'm curious because one of the things that I have never been able to quite get a grasp on is when to know a market is overbuilt. Are we looking exclusively at vacancy? So when you start looking yeah. at your at your competitors, if they're you know seventy or eighty percent full, and that's consistent, mm-hmm. is that when you know this is this is a no this is a no go? Yeah, pre COVID, there was a metric that you looked at. It was per capita per square foot per capita. So if you have a hundred thousand square feet, so if you have a hundred thousand people out there and you have seventy thousand people, then that's seven square feet per capita. I think I did the math wrong. It might be reverse that, but um, that metric's really been kind of this, this uh, like this uh, discarded because it hasn't really worked. So like if you look at Akron, Ohio, right now, so typically the across the nation, seven and a half square feet, eight eight dollars or eight eight square feet per capita is kind of the normal. Well, Akron, Ohio, is four and a half square feet per capita, but there's a ton of vacancy, so it's a soft market. Oklahoma City, which is where we have a storage facility, is like 13 uh, square foot per capita. But that sucker is full. Like all of them are full, no matter what happens. And it's also a cheap market, which is the weirdest thing ever. You think it was full, then um, you know that rental rate would go up. But the reason, but Oklahoma City is easy to build in. So like every year, you get another 10 to 15 storage facilities. But they end up getting full. They end up getting full. 10 by 10 is going to get 88 to 90 bucks a foot or 88 to 90 dollars a unit and it's never going to go above that it's just how it works there for some reason um but i would say a better use better like uh like indicator would be what you mentioned vacancy so if i'm looking at a facility and all the other facilities are full like i'm really excited the one in oklahoma city we bought it was full and the other 36 rv and boat facilities were also full and in addition to that our our rates were like half of what the two closest ones were around us. And we had the expansion room. And so, um, so, you know, we're still working on, we doubled rates, lost a lot of vacant, a lot, a lot of occupancy. We're increasing that right now. So we're having to spend a lot of money on marketing, but once, that, once that's full, we'll have taken a facility from 30 grand to now, even at 60% occupancy, it's at 42 grand in revenue. And then, uh, when it's full, it will be at 75 to 80 grand. Uh, revenue and so we're really excited about that one and then when it's full we can just go ahead and build some more because we have another 16 acres to build on and and that should be really you know it's an asset we paid six million bucks for it could eventually be worth 30 million we're really excited about that one wow and so 30 million with cost of 15 million and so um so you know there's a lot of upside on that one but yeah i would say for me, when I look at it, if I find something, I kind of if I'm getting a, if I get an offering memorandum from a broker, I look at the square foot per capita. If it's anywhere close to seven and a half, and it's in Texas, I'm like, all right, maybe I should call some of these facilities that are around here. And that um, was going to be one of my questions. Are, are the when when you're doing your due diligence and you're discussing that with these potential competitors, are they free with that information most of the time? Do they tell you, oh yeah, we're we're, we're or do they just always tell you, oh we're 100% full because they think you're a Potential or do you mystery show? Do, do you do you call as if you're in a you're a tenant? What's your strategy? It, it depends on how you ask it. I typically when I call them, I'm like, hey, do uh, you guys have tens? I just don't I don't say who I am. I go, hey, do you have seven ten by tens available? And no one as of yet has ever said why. That's a lot of ten by tens. <laughs> it's because they they got dollar signs. In yeah, their they're like, well, this guy wants seven. I'm like, no, no, we don't have ten by tens. We're full, but you know, we got this ten by twenty. I'm like, well, how many of those do you have? 
So oh, just that's brilliant. I don't ever, yeah, I, I don't, you know, and if they ask who I am, I'm like, oh, we just got a project down the street that we need to store some building materials. And the reality is we do. It's what's called the other facility. You know, like, I'm not going to lie. But, and, you know, and, uh, and the thing is, like, it, it's, you know, the storage industry is, is, is un, it hasn't really caught up with technology. It's starting to, there's some startups out there that are focused on storage. It's also, like, personnel-wise, it's also not caught up because it's a generally like a, I'm retired, I'm bored. I'd like to work at that storage facility and help people and watch, you know, the prices right. Um, or Alex Jones while no one's in the office, office wanting a 10 by 10. And so it, you know, it tends to, or, or I'm going to, I'm going to help this person out while I'm taking care of my four year old granddaughter or three year old granddaughter who's playing in the floor. And so that's typically what it is. It's, it, and it's such, I love that because it's such a great, like mom and pop business, like real mom and pop. Like there's, it's it's rare that you get some dickhead on the phone who's going to be a jerk to you. You know, I, I I've also learned like if you call them and they're like, you're like, hey, would you sell your facility? They're going to hang up the phone because they, just, they it's a relationship game. It's just like, um, and it's it's where that's probably different on the multifamily on the house thing. Um, but yeah, we've we. I, I used to be afraid to seek your shop, which is what, hey, do you have any 10 by 10s available? But because I felt like I was just kind of being conniving, but at the same time, like I've learned that it's actually not that bad. They're really generous. They're the ones giving you the information. You're not taking anything from them. And honestly, it's really a collaborative industry. So if I'm full and the ABC storage down the street has seven 10 by 10s and I know the owner of ABC storage, I'm going to call him and be like, hey, we're getting a lot of calls for 10 by 10s. If we just refer you, this lady, Mrs. Smith, can you want to just get us first month half, half of the rent? We can just settle up next time I see you. And, and, you know, and that's, that's actually a really good way to, to grow your business and you're helping other people. You're not going to get, you, I don't know, the multifamily space that well, but I don't think you're going to get that with the multifamily space as well as you would with storage because storage is simple man it's simple i don't i i I do think it's going to have a ramp up where like kind of multifamily did where it went from 2012 being mostly mom and pop to like pretty much all corporate owned i think it will do the same thing from here till whenever but i think it's always going to be like people who are just good old boys and good old people that aren't you know because there's plenty of money in it like if someone if someone calls me and asks me how many 10 by 10s, if I give it to them, it's not like I'm going to lose out on any business. Because like, hey, what are you charging for a 10 by 10? Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to start charging 10, 85 bucks for a 10 by 10. That sounds like a great idea. You know, it's like, it's, it's like I didn't realize you could get that much for it. You know, it's, so it's very collaborative. I like that about it. Um, obviously, I might change my mind after a few more years of doing this. But um, it's, you know, it's every, it's the business for me. I really like it. It's, it's a people business. But at the same time, you don't have to deal with people. <laughs> if that makes Absolutely. Sense. Uh, so, so what's next for you? What are you working on now, and what do you got planned for the future? Yeah. Oh man. Um, we are we we have a ground up facility right now that we are working on raising capital for. Uh, capital is a little bit more tough to raise in this market, um, but we'll, I'm pretty hopeful we're going to get it uh, within the next month. We'll build that, and then once we get that closed and funded and starting to build, I'll probably go right back to buying some of the more. Uh, smaller acquisitions like the 200 300 units we have a storage facility in a, in a market that it, it is always full we're adding a lot of square feet to it we've got a we got a uh, 
like we have a reserve list for people to call back. And so we know there's a lot of demand. I know several facilities in that market that haven't been repositioned or have, you know, we can just add that to our brand. And so we'll probably go after that market pretty heavily. Uh, it's a market in South DFW. So and what are you trying to, what are you trying to raise? Um, specifically, if any of our listeners can, can help you out, cause I know yeah. we have some, quite a few investors that listen to this. So kind of pitch that, what you got going on and where it's at and what you're looking for. Yeah, we're, we're raising uh, four and a half million bucks uh, for a storage facility in Austin, Texas. It's a extra space climate control, um, three story, best in class, the best you can build a storage facility uh, managed by extra space. It is at the busiest intersection of Georgetown, Texas, which is a suburb of Austin, Texas. The, um, you know, if we're for every hundred grand, you're probably looking at a two and a half X, meaning a, 250% return on your money within five years. Uh, it comes with depreciation. So uh, every after the first year, we'll get it built. You'll get $24,000 a year in depreciation, or I guess the first year in forced depreciation. And then there'll be some menial uh, depreciation after that. Uh, cash flows should start after it gets stabilized, which is year four. And that should be around an 8% cash and cash return. Uh, the PREF, the preferred return, uh, for 100 grand, it's 5%. For 250 grand, it's 8.5%. If you give us over a million dollars, we bump, give you a bonus of a 10% for the preferred return. Awesome. That's hey, those numbers sound good, right? Um, so the next question is: is we we ask every guest, but more so, more important this time, right? Uh, Travis, how can people get in touch with you? Sure, you can go to investinstoragedeals.com. And you can also reach out to me at Travis Bauckham, B-A-U-C-O-M.com. Amazing. And we'll put links in the show notes as well. Um, Travis, I feel like we need to get you back on and talk the full gamut of um, running a storage deal down from, from finding it to closing it if, if you're sure. uh, up for that sometime. Absolutely. And maybe that's a series, Carl. Maybe we should have production meetings off air anyway. But <laughs> um, Travis, thank you so much. So much gold information i've got a ton of notes that i'm gonna to have to punch up for the uh, for the show notes absolute pleasure having you on yeah it's been a fun conversation cool and we'll be back next week thank you for listening to the investories podcast we all have a story what's yours the investories podcast